Our scripture reading today is from 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 13. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. As an athlete is not crowned unless he completes according to his rule, the rules, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. And if we deny him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, our desire is to endure, and I ask that as we listen to your word, that you would give us strength to endure so that we will reign with you. I pray that you would help us to see Jesus so clearly that we long to serve him through whatever you have for us in this life. And I pray that you would be preparing us for the next. I ask that you would use this time for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Angela read what Paul wrote to a young pastor. And his words about endurance are words that are somewhat surprising. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Paul said that is a good saying. It's trustworthy. It's memorable. It's short. It's something that we should keep in our minds as we think about Am I a faithful believer? Am I faithful to Christ? The scripture makes it plain that endurance in this life has an eternal impact in the next life. It is possible to deny like Judas and one day to be denied by Christ. Judas did not endure And he met eternal destruction. It's also possible to endure like Peter, who has a famous momentary denial. And yet, do you remember what Jesus said to him? As Jesus said, you will deny me three times. He says, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. When you return, strengthen the brothers. Peter's denial was momentary and he returned 
and endured as a Christian to the end. So he's an example of faithfulness. Don't let your momentary failures define you as a Christian. Endure to the end. And so this morning, I want to talk to you from the Word of God, from the Gospel of Luke, about why we need endurance and what biblical Christian endurance is. So let's think for a minute about endurance. You know, we live in Michigan. We are part of the the Motor City culture. We build engines to have endurance. Some people like to run for, for exercise. I run for exercise. Runners love to tell you about their endurance. In fact, if you have ever had the misfortune to know someone who has run a marathon, they will talk about it for the rest of their lives. I maybe did that once. People who run long distances will tell you about times when they want to quit and how painful endurance can be. And in the back of our minds, we all think, well, you did sign up for that, so why are you complaining? But engines and runners are not the only things that require endurance Married people need endurance. Marriage is at times hard. Single people need endurance. Singleness is at times very hard. A woman in labor needs endurance. People with small children need endurance. People with cancer need endurance. People who age need endurance. And Christians need a particular type of endurance. Christians believe that our sins are forgiven through faith in Jesus' shed blood. We believe that he died in our place and rose from the dead. And so we have peace with God. We have hope and a future. But sometimes, for different reasons, our faith fails and we fail to obey. So Christians are told to endure. We need endurance as believers in the church so that we not only put up with each other, but we actually love each other as we should. We need endurance to be faithful to Christ, to continue believing in him and to obey him. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, so you need endurance. People you love may walk away from the faith. People you deeply care about may battle addictions and disease, and your faith will be tested. You may battle addiction and disease, and your faith will be tested Your spouse may divorce you. Maybe your spouse will suffer a debilitating disease and you will watch them decline in front of your eyes. And as you experience terrible suffering, you will wonder if God really loves you and if he's really in control. All of us 
all of us will one day watch our family and friends die. In fact, Scripture says that it is wise to attend a funeral because at a funeral, you will consider your end. This is not something that we as Americans love to think about. We love to try to be eternally young and then we close our eyes before the end when it's inevitable. I was talking to to Phil Long this past week. Phil has been to six funerals in the past month, and he has his seventh funeral this coming Wednesday. This is inevitable for all of us. So we need endurance. And as I talk about why we need endurance, I also want to stress that endurance is absolutely possible as a Christian. I have seen saints of God grow strong in faith as their bodies grow weak and frail. You have seen this. You've seen it in in men like Fernando Moreno, who was a spiritual giant before he died. You've seen it in men like Daryl Burgett, who was 90 pounds in his hospital bed and assured nurses, aides, and doctors as they came in that God is good, and he meant it, and they did not know how to handle it. He had endurance right until the end, and his faith was solid. I want that kind of strength in the hardship that I know I will one day face. And I want you to have it. So the question that I'd like to answer this morning from the scriptures is, how do we get it? How do we have that kind of endurance so that one day we will reign with Christ, so that we look forward to his return? Our need for endurance is part of why I'm preaching slowly and carefully through the gospel of Luke, because God is the only source of strength, And if you want to know him and find strength in him, you need to know Jesus. And the only way to know Jesus is to start with his word, to start with what God has said about him, with the people who carefully and faithfully wrote down what happened in his life, what he did and what he taught. In Luke's gospel, we've already seen how God planned the coming of Christ. How all of these things are done in fulfillment of God's perfect plan. We've seen Jesus' power over Satan and sin. We've seen him overcome temptation in the desert so that he is sinless and Satan has no power over him. We've seen him cast out demons and deliver people who are suffering. We've seen him forgive sinners. We've seen him heal. And we've seen the religious leaders of his day grow angry over his popularity. And scripture says they wanted to kill him. And so the question then becomes, if he is God's Messiah and his people are rejecting him, what will happen? And last week we saw how Jesus described the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And God's kingdom will be established on the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is crowned in victory and in glory. But it doesn't happen right away. This is relevant for you. Because 
as the kingdom is delayed, Jesus prepares his followers for what is going to happen. And the things that he foretells are not pleasant. And so he prepares his followers and he will prepare you and he will prepare me for whatever he has for you to endure until he calls you home or until he returns. This is relevant for you and for your life for two reasons. Some people say things like, why, why do we study a book of Luke? What, what is something that happened 2,000 years ago matter for today? Here's why it matters. Some of the things that Jesus foretells have not happened yet. And you need to be ready for them. They will happen. Do not be unprepared. So you need to know what he said. Number two, even if he tarries for another thousand years, preparing for this will help you weather cancer or the loss of a child. Whatever suffering you experience in life, Preparing for this will help you endure it. And so, let's look with me at what Jesus foretold, and let's learn from the scriptures how we can endure as followers of Christ. Look with me at Luke's gospel, chapter 20, excuse me, chapter 21, starting in verse 5. It says, while some were speaking of the temple how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings. He said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place. But the end will not come at once. Jesus begins our preparation and begins teaching us to endure with a clear prediction that the temple they loved would be destroyed and that there will be wars and rumors of wars before his return. As they talk about the temple, it's almost as if they're asking Jesus to admire the building with them. They mention two things. They say, Look and and see how it's adorned with noble stones and offerings. And Jesus' reply says he does not care about the building. The thing that mattered to them in their faith was going to be destroyed by God. He said there's coming a day when you won't be able to stack two stones from this temple on top of each other. God does not care about buildings. If you read the Old Testament carefully, the temple that he caused his glory to dwell on, he caused to be torn down. God the Father cares deeply about his son, Jesus Christ. And if you reject his son while you want to preserve his temple, he will destroy the building you love and magnify his son. 
That's true of the temple in the first century. That's true of churches today. If Jesus Christ is not the center of who we are, God the Father will not love us as a church. He loves His Son. Everything else is secondary. And so Jesus says, neither of these things has a future. Not even the sacrifices. You know, you might look at the worship at the temple and think, these are people who are obeying the law, seeking God. But again, the Old Testament points, not only does the building not really matter, if your heart is not right with God, the sacrifices don't matter either. And so it doesn't matter how much you and I give, it doesn't matter what we do to try to please God. If your heart's not right, it doesn't matter. And the New Testament shows the reason that sacrifices ended is because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Jesus is building the true temple in the people of God. He died once for all, for all of our sins, so there's no sacrifice necessary anymore. But they built their lives around something that God himself was going to destroy because they rejected his son. So he's saying, don't build your life on something that's worthless. And it's a warning that you and I need as well. We ought to be focused on Christ. So they ask him, when is this going to happen? They they want to know when. And all he says is two specific things. He says, don't be deceived because many people will come in my name. So recognize that before the end comes... False Christs, false messiahs are going to appear, and you need to make sure that you are not misled by them. Some people have literally claimed to be the Messiah, and have literally led people astray, and you can think of mass suicides as cult leaders have destroyed people's lives and tried to set up false kingdoms. Jesus says, don't be deceived, don't be led astray. When his return actually comes, it will be impossible to miss. Even his enemies will bow and recognize he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. If someone has to claim to be the Christ, that person is not the Christ. You can guarantee it. When Jesus comes, you will not miss it. Don't be deceived. But there's a more subtle way to be deceived, and that's when people preach a false kind of Christ. And that happens all the time. People will promise you different things in the name of Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus, it is possible to be led astray. It's possible to build a church around a false Christ. And so Jesus urges us, do not be led astray. You have to know the real Christ. The second thing he predicts as they ask, when are these things going to happen, is he says, wars and tumults, the the things are going to get worse before he returns. And that was true then, and it has been true ever since. But he says something so interesting. He says, guys, war is coming. Don't be terrified. Don't be terrified. Our natural reaction to that kind of prediction is fear. We live in America. We are comfortably protected by giant oceans from most of our enemies. And it's a horrifying thing for us to think about the times when we've been attacked on our own soil. Our our memory is seared with Pearl Harbor, which happened before most of us in this room were alive, and with 9-11, the horror of enemies coming here. 
we don't like the thought that war may be in the future. Jesus says, it's coming. And then he says, don't be terrified by it. Then he says, the end will not be at once. All throughout Christian history, people have been predicting that the end would come soon. Because all throughout Christian history, we've seen wars and rumors of wars increase to no end. You can think about Augustine, who lives in the 4th century. Augustine is the bishop of Rome, and as he pastors people... Rome is crumbling and falling. The capital had been moved to Constantinople. He's pasturing a people in a time that they are fleeing the city. And there's death and destruction. And Augustine is helping people recognize that the city of man that we love is going to crumble and fall. We need to attach ourselves to the city of God. That happened in the 4th century. Then you fast forward a thousand years, think of the Reformation, think of all the wars that happened as people were clinging to the gospel of Christ. Think about how Luther talked about how the Pope, he thought, was literally the Antichrist, leading people astray. And think about how you would understand history as you saw nations pick up arms, and think of the hundred years war, how wars increased, and they thought the end was near, and they needed this kind of endurance, but now it's 500 years after that, and we still hear wars and rumors of wars. Jesus says, don't be surprised, the end will not be at once, so you need to endure. We don't know how long it will be, but he tells us, do not be afraid. All of these things are part of God's plan, and all of these things must happen. Before the end comes, wars will increase, but that is only the beginning. And so he gives us instructions for how to endure in the midst of this. Look with me at verses 10 through 18. So so we've seen days of destruction, verses 5 through 9. Now look at me at endurance for life in 10 through 18. He continues, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict." You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Jesus tells us some things as he warns us that nation will rise against nation, violence will increase, he says persecution for Christians will increase. 
And we are seeing increasing intolerance of faithful Christianity. And the reaction that I see in many Christians and that, it, that it's tempting to fight in myself, our reaction is the exact opposite of what Jesus commands. He said, do not be terrified. I remember as a, as a younger kid going to stay with my Grandma Johnson. And, and Grandma Johnson loved to watch preachers on TV that would talk about the end times. She loved to speculate about who the Antichrist was and which country was which country in Revelation. And she showed me these movies about the rapture and about what life was going to be like during the tribulation. And they were terrifying. I remember they they used to haul people in these movies and and, and cut their heads off. And I was like this little kid thinking, this is not appropriate for a child. And my grandma, after watching these movies, would say things to me like, this is going to happen so soon. Isn't it shocking and frightening? And I also remember as a kid being like, grandma, the... The whole point of the New Testament is we're not supposed to be afraid of this stuff. Like, what's, what's wrong with this picture? Jesus says, don't be afraid, and you're amping up fear and anxiety. That is not a Christian response. If anything, when you see these things increasing, you should say, Jesus was right. Jesus is right, and I need to be ready. Everything he said is happening. And I can trust him completely that the promises that he made will sustain me and anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't say, go hide in a bunker. He says, view this persecution as an opportunity. You're excited for this opportunity. Like, oh good, this is my time to shine. This is my time to show that my faith is genuine. That like Job, I don't just trust God when he blesses me. I trust God when everything around me is terrifying. This is your opportunity to shine. Paul had this mindset. He he told the Philippians that his prison chains gave him the opportunity to tell the imperial guard about Jesus, and some of them believed. Stephen had this mindset. If if you look at the book of Acts, maybe this week, read Acts chapters 6 and 7. Stephen is one of the first deacons. He faithfully serves the church. He has this spirit of wisdom that his opponents could not refute. He was famous for telling people about Jesus. And the people that hated Jesus that killed him also hated Stephen. And so they hauled him away. And it says that Stephen's face shone like an angel. And he preaches one of the longest sermons in the New Testament. He has wisdom that his adversaries could not refute. This thing that Jesus says happens exactly as Jesus said it would in the book of Acts. As Stephen is persecuted and hauled in front of a synagogue. He's called to give account. You can read about it in Acts chapter 6 and 7. And they cannot refute his wisdom, and so they drag him out of town, and they stone him to death. And as they stone him, Stephen is not afraid, not even remotely afraid. He has a vision of Jesus standing, and as they kill him, he prays, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. His faith was evident. He was not afraid to die. 
And if that's true for Stephen, it's true for you. And it's true for me. This promise is for you that Jesus will give you strength to witness when you endure for him. So the prescription for these days is to endure. Some of what Jesus describes here has already happened. Stephen experienced this kind of persecution 2,000 years ago. He never saw the temple knocked down. But we have. 70 AD, the Romans came, they leveled Jerusalem. Jesus' prediction that you wouldn't be able to stack two stones on top of each other came true exactly as he said it would. And so we can look at that and say, Jesus knew what God planned to do. But not all of this has taken place yet. Jesus still has not returned So our endurance is still necessary. Some of this persecution is going to increase. And and it may be that you and I never experienced this directly. But people in the world today do. I I have a pastor friend. I I don't know him super well. I've only met him once. But his name is David. He's a pastor in in India. He's he's native to India. He's actually here in the area right now. He's, He's speaking at my buddy Ernesto's church. He has been beaten for Christ. He has been thrown in jail for Christ. The people of India do not love Christianity. They believe that Hindu is their national religion, and they believe that that is the best thing for India, and they view Christianity as a threat, and so they hate him. He and his wife and his kids are in constant danger because of their stand for Christ. This passage speaks directly to him Today, even if you don't experience this, you need to pray for your brothers and sisters who do. And in fact, I read this past week about a pastor from Tennessee. His name is Brian Naran. Pastor Brian went on a missions trip again to India. He was arrested there on October 5th because as they went through customs, they asked him, are you a Christian? And he said, yes. And so he's been in jail for about a month now. They're trying to get him released. They're trying to get him freed. But even as an American citizen, he is suffering for Christ because he wanted to serve people in India. You can read or actually see on Facebook three weeks ago in Algeria, which is a majority Muslim country, the Algerian military stormed the country's largest church. They forced people out of the building and they nailed the doors shut and said, this church is closed, you don't worship here. They actually have live footage of it preserved on Facebook of some of the Christians as they were smuggled out. They took videos with their phones. This is happening now. And in fact, to some small extent, it happens in the States. Just about two weeks ago, there's a church in Missouri. It's called the Crossings Church. It's in Columbia, Missouri. It's a large church. They had a few thousand members. It's a church that's faithfully served their community in a number of ways. And their pastor preached a message just begging people to cautiously and carefully think about what we're teaching about gender in our schools. And he wasn't condemning. He wasn't hate-filled. He asked honest questions like, are we sure that it's wise to give a middle schooler hormone blockers? 
Is it really healthy for us to prevent puberty? Are we sure that we're right about gender? And he, he was kind and compassionate. He was not being a bigot. But overnight, people from the city, people from the town, grabbed snippets of that sermon, and they went from being a church with a great reputation to being a church with a terrible reputation, known as a people who hate others. Because he preached a message that was faithful to what God says about human sexuality. That is going to increase. More and more churches here are going to pay the price for that. Don't hear me and say, it's coming, and then have anxiety and be afraid. That's the exact opposite. This is their time to shine. And we should not be afraid because what Jesus said is happening We should pray for endurance and strength so that we're faithful when it happens to us. Even if that kind of thing never happens to you personally, I believe that you will suffer some in this life. As I talked about in the beginning of this message, you need endurance as a Christian so that your faith does not fail. And Jesus promises you this says, some of you they will put to death, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. That is a stunning statement. Good news, some of you are going to die, but not a hair on your head will perish. What does that even mean? How is he promising to sustain you through death? Well, because he's the one that comes back after death. He's the God who rose from the dead. Your hope is not in this life. So Justin Martyr, Justin Martyr is a faithful Christian from the second century. He's a guy that loves Jesus. He loves to tell people about Jesus. In fact, he took it upon himself to write a letter to the emperor. Because Christianity was very misunderstood. There were rumors that Christians were cannibals because they celebrated communion and they talked about eating flesh and drinking blood. So people would falsely claim that we literally ate flesh and blood. And Justin wanted to publicly set the record straight. So he described what the early church actually was doing when they gathered to worship. And he wanted people to know Jesus. But the second century was a time of terrible persecution. They were literally feeding Christians to lions. You could go to the Colosseum and see Christians die all the time. And so Justin, in that environment, was willing to stand and tell people, I follow Jesus, I am a Christian. And he has this quote, and I hope you never forget it, because it will be true for you when you lie in a hospital bed like Daryl Burgett, or when you receive a diagnosis of cancer. Justin said, you can kill us, but you cannot do us any real harm. You can kill us, but you cannot do us any real harm. Our hope is not in this life. Our hope is in the next life, and that is untouchable. The promise of Jesus is that he will give you a kind of wisdom And that he will sustain you as you trust him, as you call out to him. And so I want you to know how 
you can do that. And first, it starts with making sure that you have made peace with God. The ministry of Jesus was to call sinners to repentance. You and I need to start with repentance. Make sure that your sins are forgiven. Make sure that you are trusting that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead. Not only that, have the confidence that Jesus said that this would happen. He's not telling you life is going to be easy. He's telling you the opposite. Your trials are part of God's plan, however painful they are. It's his intention to refine you and to make you like Jesus. And he will use the suffering in your life to do that for your good and for his glory. So first, make peace with God. Second, do not put your hope in things that will not last. Don't put your hope in having a perfect marriage. None of us here are going to have that. Even the best of marriages is hard at times. But so many people, especially young people, put their hope in finding the right person and beginning a life that is here. Even if you have a great marriage, it's not going to last. You're both going to die. And if you don't die together, you'll watch your spouse die. That is not pleasant. So don't put your hope in things that won't last, even if it's something good. Put your hope in Jesus and in the kingdom that he is going to establish. Invest your life in that kingdom. And it doesn't matter if you get married or if you stay single. If you invest your life in Jesus Christ and in his coming kingdom, you cannot lose. Not only that, make sure you don't invest your life in things that you can't keep, whether it's money or marriage. Pray for strength. Jesus is going to say this clearly in our, in our text next week. He says, pray that you may have strength to escape all these things. Prayer is a source of strength for you because strength is a gift only God can give you. Develop your prayer life. And and sometimes all that means is just in a moment of weakness and fear or doubt, you call out to God and tell him your weakness and fear and doubt. In a moment when you're wondering if Jesus really is the Savior, talk to God and say, God, I am weak and I am doubting. Please help me and strengthen me. Just be honest with God about what you're thinking. In a moment of fear and weakness, when you hear a diagnosis that you never wanted to hear, or you hear there's been a car accident, in those moments, call out to God and say, God, I need strength because right now, I don't think you're good. Ask him for that kind of help. That's what prayer is. Prayer helps you depend on him. It builds your relationship with him. When you are weak, tell him and ask him for strength. Not only that, Not only do you need to make sure your sins are forgiven, not only do you need to develop the habit to pray, you need to know the real Jesus. There is no one else like him. There is no counterfeit that comes close. But the only way you'll know the real Jesus is if you know him through his word. The Apostle John said, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, it starts with the things that are written. If you want to know Jesus, this is the place to find who he is. Know it. 
We're going to be in Luke for a couple of more weeks. I would urge you and beg you, read the gospel of Luke. Split it up. Read four chapters a day. Read it a few times. Know your Savior by knowing this book. Listen to it on an app. Listen to sermons, and they don't have to be my sermons. Listen to people who talk about Jesus from the Bible so that you know him well, so that you don't get led astray by some counterfeit crackpot who wants to talk to you about Jesus but isn't faithful to the biblical Christ. Know him through his word. Paul said to Timothy, Keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching, for by doing so... You will save both yourself and your hearers. I preach through books of the Bible because I believe that my salvation and your salvation depend on it. That's what Paul just said. By keeping a close watch on your teaching and preaching, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Because if you don't know Jesus, it's possible to be led astray. This is why I'm preaching through Luke. You cannot believe in Jesus in any meaningful way if you do not know who he is. You cannot know who he is unless you meet him here in his word. And if you know the real Jesus, you will not be led astray by a cheap counterfeit. If you want other people to know the real Jesus. Encourage them to read his word. I love the gospel of Luke because I think it's the easiest to understand. I would encourage people to start there. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we endure by looking at Jesus who ran the race before us. That's part of why we go through the scriptures. That's also part of why we take communion. Do you remember what Paul says in in 1 Corinthians? That that we remember the Lord's death until he comes. Remembering what Jesus did for you gives you power to endure. When you know that your Savior suffered, it makes your suffering easier because you're following him. And nothing that you do will come close to what he has done for you. If you want power, look at the suffering of Christ and know that not only did he suffer, but he also rose from the dead. And if we died with him, what did Paul say in the scripture reading this morning? We will live with him. So no matter what happens to you, you can endure. Would you pray with me? As we go to the Lord in prayer, I would like you to take just a moment. And and I don't know where you're at in your Christian life. I, I don't know where you're at with things that are happening in our church, in our community. Maybe you've been suffering and maybe you are tired. And if that's you this morning, would you talk to Jesus about that and just say, Jesus, I am tired. Jesus, I am weak and I need your strength. If you're not sure that your sins have been forgiven, would you call out to him and say, I trust that you died for me and rose from the dead? Would you make your peace with God this morning? Father, you are the only source of strength in the world. And you have promised that those who wait on you will renew their strength. We are waiting this morning. Would you renew our strength? 
Would you help me to endure as a pastor? Would you help us to endure as a church? Would you draw us closer to Jesus so we are faithful until you call us home or until he returns? Would you do this by the power of Jesus through your spirit? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.